welcome to Fully Fit Life, where exercise promotes freedom and diet is a four-letter word. Two guys, one goal. Join them on their journey to live a more healthy and joy-filled life. Hi there, folks. Welcome once again to the next episode of the Fully Fit Life broadcast with your host, Frank Ferreira, right there. And me, Martin Straw, right here. Hope everybody's doing well and hope that you are excited to be joining us here this evening as tonight we're going to talk about what, Frank? Obesity? That's what I have on my note. (laughs) (laughs) Or whatever comes to our mind. I don't know. Yeah. So how are you? Well, I kind of alluded to this earlier, just a tad bit earlier. We'll see how I do. It's okay. been an interesting few days with my energy level. So, and I don't know if it's energy level as much as it's, uh, what, do you, what would you call it? Cabin fever? Oh, cabin uh, fever. Uh, being under house arrest by the government because of COVID-19 and it's been challenging. So uh, I've been a little bit more fatigued, if you will, but I'm getting good walks in and eating healthy and managing to stay as positive. My memory is failing me a little bit, but Cheryl says, speak positive word. There you go. Sounds like uh Wise words from a wonderful woman. Yeah. Right. Nice. How about you, Marty? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How um, are you doing? I am doing well. Uh, making really good progress on my deck project. For those that have been listening, they know I'm working mm-hmm. on the deck. Actually started putting down some decking boards today on top. So it's not just uh, the framing part now. I'm, I'm kind of moving on to the you know, the good stuff, I guess you might call it. Getting closer yeah. to being done. Good That's for you. The good stuff. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Yeah, I'm happy with that. And uh, then I'll just have one more section to tear out and, uh, and redo. Yeah. So it's, it's slow, but, you know, that's all right. I'm getting there. Moves forward every day. So that's a good thing. No, that's all that counts, especially under certain circumstances like we're under today with, as we get older, we're not as robust as we were in our prime. Yeah, it, it's tough being 27, 28 years old, you know? <laughs> I'll tell you. Uh, I second that motion. I used to, I used to joke about that. Uh, with some buddies when, a few years ago, I was working at a place and we'd go out and play ultimate frisbee at lunchtime. And, uh, you know, I was, I was about 55 at the time or so. And uh, most of them were twenties and thirties. And remarkably, I was able to, at a minimum, keep up with them. Uh, most of them were like, holy smokes, how do you do that? It's like, well, you know, it it takes work. But uh, Mm I used to joke about being 27 back then. I think think I'm pretty close to 30 now, though. Slowing (laughs) down a little bit, so. (laughs) Right. 
Yeah. You know, before we get too serious, I have an observation to make. And while we were at work, working remotely, one of the people in our group said that her son is a junior in high school and isn't comprehending or adapting to the remote learning and his grades are really suffering. But during that conversation, I had those same issues when I was taking classes. They wanted me to take a remote night. I tried it and I had to drop and then retake it on campus. Mm-hmm. And I did much better. I fully understand. But one of the things they were talking about is he got paid, got a paycheck, and the bank took his paycheck and he wanted it. Kind of the same thing with kids getting money taken out of their paycheck, understanding the basics of me- mechanical, you know, car. Uh, situations where you got to maybe put gas in it or oil, change oil, check the fluids. The next person said, oh yeah, my child is having trouble doing X. I chimed in and I said, that's just the tip of the iceberg. What are we teaching our kids? How are they learning? What are they learning about life? One of the other guys says, well, we used to have auto shop or wood shop or home at. And I think about the kids being taught today. They don't need to chop wood and and build fires, but they should know how to go through life. And um, I don't know. Do you see that in any of your kids' friends or things like that? And actually, we've had had discussions about that over the years with our kids. Um, We homeschooled both of them all the way through high school. They both actually graduated early. But what we noticed is they got a lot of learning life lessons, you know, how to deal with life, um, how to balance a checkbook. How to, and, and of course, you know, a lot of people don't even have checkbooks anymore, right? Let's face it. But it's still the same skills, making sure that your debit card is subtracting the right stuff or adding the right stuff to your account, you still have to balance the books, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If you're operating a small business, you still have accounting functions that have to happen and people just don't understand. There's a lot of those common practices, how to make, how to cook food, how to prepare food. Pam and I, um, it, it used to be that I went off to, to work and you know she took care of everything at home and now that i'm at home i'm trying to kind of pitch in and help out with that and make dinner or at least help make dinner vacuum and various chores right and it's like kids don't always seem to understand that those things need to happen around the home you know, the cars, you mentioned the cars. So many people just take their cars in to get fixed. My kids learned how to do oil changes. They learned how to check all the fluids. They knew how to change a tire, all those sorts of things. So yeah, I've definitely seen in, in young people that they don't necessarily 
get that, I don't know, I guess it's life education. Right. Right. Life skills. Yeah. Life skills. And, and there really should right. be classes for those kind of things. Right. I think. And no, you know, I think you're right. I, I remember some crummy classes in high school. Uh, and, you know, what was the value of them? I have no clue. Uh, I'm pretty certain I don't draw from any of them in, today. Uh, mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I wish there would have been some classes on life skills even then. But I think there was more family involvement then. Um, oh, yeah. You know, maybe that's, maybe that's me just imagining it. But I don't think so. I was in the 10th grade when I... Uh, got my first job. I forget how old 10th grade is, but uh, a neighbor worked at a, a little barbecue place. It's like a wood stove. They had, uh, well, I think it was called Andy's off of uh, Campbell, in Campbell somewhere. Oh, Campbell Avenue. Yes. Right. Right. Andy's smoke pit or whatever it was called. Yeah. Andy's barbecue. I remember that place. Andy's Barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was in ninth or 10th grade. I can't remember. And I washed dishes. I bust tables. And I can't remember how long I did that for months. And she would pick me up and take me over there. And we'd work. And then she'd bring me home. We were neighbors. So she lived close by. And then uh, worked at a gas station, worked at the various, a flea market, et cetera. We had jobs. Yeah. When we were yeah, young. Yeah, we did. Uh, maybe uh, during the summertime, we had to go get a, a work permit to go pick plums or fruit in the orchards around mm -hmm. South San Jose. So yep. the point is, is that it's better. I think it's good for kids to go out and experience more than I think they are. I don't know, Marty. Um, I think my, I think Joe's like going to be 42. No. Yeah. He's older than me. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess when they were little, they had a little business. They bought and sold, you know, things. And so, but it's been such a long time, you know, that I don't remember, you know, what our kids were, were doing. They, they went to private school. They got homeschooled a little bit. They went back to private school. It's crazy. It's just crazy out there what they're doing or what they're not doing. Yeah. And uh, not to mention the, the education system that's hurting our kids today. Yeah, hurting our kids. So anyway... Yeah. Yeah, I just, I found it interesting. And like I, I might've mentioned, I, I said, that's just the tip of the iceberg. You know, what are our kids learning today? Anyway, yeah, it's kind of interesting how we see our society. When we were young, we rode bikes. We played catch till dark. Moms would be yelling out the, out the door, hey, come and eat. I remember my dad would come out and he would whistle when it was yeah. dinner time. And I could hear him you know, pretty much anywhere I was. And it's like, yep, yeah. I gotta go. And yeah. It was, it was very distinct. That was yeah. it. Yeah. And I would hear that and I'd go running home, you know, 
And then, of course, we had to be in when the streetlights came on. Exactly. That was the streetlights. Yeah. Right? Oh, that's true. Oh, yep. time to go street in. Lights are on. Yep. <laughs> Marty, I think that's a great introduction to the issues that we have today when we talk about obesity. We were active when we were younger. Yes, indeed. We rode bicycles. We walked everywhere we went. Walked to school, rode our bicycle to school. And today, I think it's a different story. We've got people in general that are couch potatoes. Kids that just don't have an opportunity to go out and be kids. I think especially, for example, in California, maybe different parts of the country where they're out in rural, they're, they've got farms or they've got crops or things like that, that they're growing. Kids are outside with their animals. Yeah. Not, not so much in the cities here, you know, and probably other cities around the country, but no, um, it's sad. It was a very different time, you know, and I don't, I don't think we're over nostalgicizing. There's a, there's a word for you. Nice word. Um, Great word. Thank you. I like it. Uh, I don't think we were over nostalgicizing, uh, you know, the good old days, so to speak. But yeah, I remember being extremely active as a kid. You know, we had a neighborhood full of, of kids my age. And we would, I mean, we'd be playing outside all the time. It was rare that we were inside. You know, we yeah. might be inside to play a board game if it was raining or something. Right. We might be out. We might be out playing army in the rain. I mean, you know, or exactly. football in the rain because that was always fun. Yeah. yeah. Or uh, you get one of those. You'd hold hands, and it was a whip. And on the grass, when yep. it was wet, and you'd whip people around on the grass, and they'd slide. Yeah. Or we we'd play across yards. And, you know, do like Red Rover, Red Rover, you know, we'd have 20 yeah. kids out there playing yeah. these games in the summer. Yeah. Dodgeball. We actually put on our own Olympic games. So we'd come up with what mm -hmm. all the, you know, the different events would be. And we divvy up into countries and, mm -hmm. you know, we have an Olympic competition. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was a, uh an instance when I was able to remember as just a young little guy playing in the gutter, somebody's be watering their lawn or the water would come down the gutter and I'd go in there and play in the gutter, dam it up, uh, you know, play little green army man in the gutter with the water, you know, yep. make mud, mud patties or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I couldn't imagine what it would be like to have kids like today that don't be yeah. outside playing in the, in the mud, in the gutter, and, or well, you, marbles. You certainly you can't know. be out alone. No, no. Unbelievable. Like, my gosh, I'd run out Saturday morning, you know, by 8 o'clock, you'd be outside mm -hmm. somewhere. <laughs> Who knew where? Yeah. And it was all Exactly. Okay. And it was all yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, the sedentary lifestyle, the food choices that we make, um, when we talk about overweight, obesity, morbidly obese, Marty, I'm going to start it off. How do we get that way? What is, what prompts us? What prompts our body to create fat cells? Well, we have essentially a given number of fat cells. Generally, in, in most cases, you do not create new fat cells. Now, that there are exceptions to that rule, but that's the general, uh, the general idea is that you actually don't create more. They're there and they're ready, but the fat tissue is either saturated or not. So fat cells can be very small, uh, which would be not saturated, or they can be jam-packed and then they're saturated. So um, the storage, again, this kind of gets back to the whole design of that, which we've talked about before, where it's amazing that we store excess energy as fat because it is the most calorically dense form of macronutrient. Mm -hmm. So our bodies are designed with that capability and that capacity um, to be at the ready. So if food isn't available, we have hopefully had a plentiful amount and we have some that is stored that our bodies can draw from. So kind of like a survival mode. Yeah. And, and it's, it's kind of like a sponge. Fat cells are kind of like a sponge where if you're storing, they expand, but they, you don't necessarily increase in number. So that's, that's kind of a, a critical thing. But what happens is because of, because of the types of foods that we eat now, the, the dreadful, the sad diet, standard American diet, the Western diet, because of that and because of our sedentary lifestyle, we really are always in a state of store, store, store. And unless we make a real change, we don't get into the use phase of that design, which is really unfortunate. And, you know, as we were talking when we were young, we would constantly be going between the storage and the use constantly. And that was, that was a beautiful thing. Now, that was an amazing thing. But now we get into that mode and depending on the types of food that you're eating even, that can really impact the, the going into and coming out of the using fat for fuel mode. Mm -hmm. So if we have, and we've talked about the effects of various foods on Blood, blood sugar. But if your blood sugar is high, you are not going to be able to burn fat. Will not happen. It cannot happen. Because when blood sugar is high, 
Insulin is saying store, 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 get it out. If you're in store mode, it's never going to get pulled to be used for fuel. Never. Will not happen. And so that's a big key is learning how to manage that blood sugar level. And of course, a big contributor to that is all the sweetened things that we eat. Because we remember, we went through that big, you know, low fat, non fat craze, and we still see remnants of that today. When, when we took fat out of food, you had to put something in to make it taste good. Because let's face it, fat really makes things taste better. Well, if you take the fat out, everything tastes like cardboard. So what do you do? Well, you put sugar in it to make it so it's palatable. And in fact, we become addicted to sugar. There are studies that show sugar is actually more addictive than morphine. Go figure that out. Mm -hmm. Well, you're not gonna <laughs> you're not gonna get off sugar easy if it's got addictive mm -hmm. properties, which yeah certainly does. And then we've also transitioned in that in that you know low fat craze to this healthy whole grains, which they're not really healthy. Yeah, they have lots of fiber. They don't have any more fiber than vegetables do, by the way. And vegetables are a heck of a lot more nutrient dense. We've talked about that before. Whereas grains are very, very, um, very hard for our bodies to pull any nutrients out of. And they're so low in nutrients to begin with that everything that's made with grain has to be fortified with vitamins. Mm -hmm. And of course, we've talked about how vitamins need to have the right environment to be absorbed additionally. So whether yeah. they're water soluble or fat soluble. Um, it, and just because something has, you know, nutrients in it, like your front lawn, uh, it's got nutrients in it, but your body's not designed to consume, you know, Kentucky bluegrass. <laughs> or Bermuda grass. You don't have the stomach for it, literally. You are not a cow. <laughs> yeah. Right. So well, the you know, the the high blood sugar, we don't realize that all that sugar, what it does is it confuses our body. And high sugar, high insulin. And the insulin's trying to put that sugar somewhere into a fat cell for storage. Yep. Because it's not, it's not getting the nutrient to burn. It's not energy. Sugar is not energy. And so um, high rates of sugar, high rates of insulin lead to insulin resistance. Right. That's at least what the doctors say, yeah. you know. Well, what sugar what does the, what have, the professionals say? Yeah, sugar does have energy because it does have calories, which is that. Remember, that's like the gas that you put in the vehicle, but it's not. It's not a clean burning fuel. Let's, let's go with that right. terminology. It's just not good. Sugar has no nutrient density at all. There's nothing else in it besides caloric content. And we're talking about, say, for example, white, pure, you know, white processed sugar. 
but there's all kinds of manufactured corn syrup, corn fructose syrup, or, you know, all kinds of different sweeteners that do the same, I'll call it harm. They do that same harm to our body. They do. They do. And you're right. It is harm, Frank. You, you don't, don't feel shy about calling it that because don't, sh don't sugarcoat it. it. Yeah, there you go. Don't sugarcoat it. <laughs> Good job. Uh, <laughs> this hits home because as I grew older, as I was working, raising kids, I wasn't paying attention. Diabetes is, I think, somewhat maybe hereditary, genetic. I don't know. But if we're yep. predisposed, yep. That's what it. are we doing to help ourselves? You know, if your grandmother and grandfather have diabetes or had diabetes or there's somebody in your family that has diabetes, that's a warning sign. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. And I think different cultures have different exposure or risks to diabetes because our different cultures eat different type of foods that don't lend to a healthy lifestyle. Um, very true. I don't know. Donuts, uh, beans and tortillas. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of that. The, the spaghetti, the, you know, uh, pastas or the potatoes, you know, that. The, these are all, all those high carbohydrate foods, you realize. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so I look back and I think, man, I, not that I wish I would have known, 12, 14 years ago, I learned, but I think it's too late. You know, I have to, now I have to work at living a healthy lifestyle. You know what? And I, honestly, I think uh, that, that the diabetes is what led to my heart trouble, you know, my heart attack, let's call it what it is. I'm no. sure that that's, so. you know, definitely a part of it, uh, without a doubt. Specifically yeah. on, the, on the topic of obesity, though, I wanted to make sure I had, you know, pretty much the latest info I could find on it, because this number is always constantly changing. And yeah. This is from January yeah. 2019, which in terms of statistics, uh, health statistics, is pretty darn up to date. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, they're constantly changing, but as far as things getting published, um, you know, yeah. that's often a year, two, three, four behind. This is pretty good. And this is from Research America that today, get this number, today more than 39.8% of adults and 18.5% of children and young adults in the U.S., are obese. That's you said 39 point what? 39.8. Just round it up to 40. Uh, it is. It, and by now, it is. Or, yeah, it, it's well <laughs> over 40%. 40%. Now, how do you define obese? There's a number out there, something like a BMI, yeah, uh, obese body I mass index. Yeah, 
heck, uh, 15, 20 pounds overweight. Well, that's overweight. You get above that and you're obese. And from there, you go to morbidly obese. Morbidly obese. Yeah. And here's 40%. Here's a, a list I got of, um, let me find it here. So from CDC's website, obesity increases. Now this is overweight and obese. Okay, so yeah. this, is, this is beyond that range of normal BMI. And this is into the range of obese and beyond. Yeah. So being overweight or obese increases your risk of one, all causes of death. All causes of death. High blood pressure or hypertension. Mm -hmm. High LDL cholesterol, low HDL cholesterol, or high levels of triglycerides, which is essentially mm -hmm. sugar. Type 2 diabetes, coronary heart disease, stroke, gallbladder disease, osteoarthritis, which is a breakdown of the cartilage and bone within a joint. Sleep apnea and breathing problems, many types of cancer, a low quality of life, mental illness, such as clinical depression, anxiety, and other mental disorders, and body pain and difficulty with physical functioning. So though that's a list of all the things, and that's not all inclusive, but let's say all the things that being overweight or obese contributes to. And of course, there's a, the most recent addition to that list is COVID-19. Obesity may increase the risk for severe illness in the case of COVID-19. And that's over- Because of the other underlying, right, the other underlying aspects of being obese now that 40 percent it, it makes you more like, susceptible period and then yeah. because you have the underlying conditions it makes it more dangerous for you 40 percent. we have about 350 i'm going to use some rough rough math we're talking about 110 to 120 million people roughly a little more than a third are obese, yeah. overweight, 140 obese, million. or morbidly obese, 140 million. Marty, because of our political atmosphere, we're in a couple weeks from an election and the candidates are talking about how important medical coverage is, medical insurance. And there's a term called pre-existing conditions health-wise. Yep. You got to figure 140 million people might be considered a pre-existing condition. Yeah. Well, what does that do to our medical Well, here's the other thing industry. I would like people to think about is if we didn't have... 40% of our population with, 
with this major contributor to all of these major illnesses, how much less important would health care actually even be? There'd be far less high blood pressure. There'd be far less cholesterol issues. There'd be far less type 2 diabetes, far less coronary heart disease, far less stroke, far less gallbladder disease, et cetera, et cetera. Wow, a far less pharmaceutical commercials on TV. That too. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> and and the half hour of disclaimers. There's a ripple effect. There is. It affects. There is. Uh, it affects our work, our industry, productivity. Would you say GDP? No, oh, absolutely. The cost, the overall cost of being obese. It's, I don't know if it's, it's immeasurable. I don't know if we can measure it. You know, well, the total cost of obesity. Here you go. In a number, on, in a dollar. On the, on the same info <laughs> sheet that I pulled from Research America, it covers that. So the uh, annual healthcare costs of obesity, obesity related illnesses total approximately, of course it's approximate, you know, we don't know exactly. $109.2 billion or almost 21% of annual medical spending in the United States. 21%. But you think about the 40% obese, the 21% of medical. So workers who are obese and have other chronic health conditions miss approximately 450 million additional days of work each year compared with healthy workers, resulting in more than $153 billion in lost productivity every year. Obese individuals are more likely to experience worksite injuries than non-obese workers. So it's an issue, definitely. Mm-hmm. And, and it's an issue that we don't like to talk about because it's uncomfortable. And I was thinking about this yeah. just a few minutes before we got on, actually. I was thinking, why is it that we don't like to talk about this? And I think part of it is because we're in this don't offend anybody society, which, I mean, there's pros and cons to it, right? Right. Fat shaming. Fat shaming. Absolutely. (laughs) And, you know, that's, that is a horrible thing. And I don't think that's what we're here to do tonight. But, but the reality is, is it's a various, it's a very obvious problem. You can see when someone is overweight or obese, it's right there. You can't look at someone and say, oh, I think they have coronary heart disease. Oh, I think they have, you know, whatever. You can't do that with those other things. But you can see this and this is a, you know, last, last episode we talked about, well, I don't know if it was last episode or not, but we talked about the check light. 
this is a check, check light. engine light. <laughs> yeah, this is the check light in in your body. I mean, this is a major contributor to major health issues, and it is avoidable. Yes, it is. This hits home for me because my mom was 4'11", and she was morbidly obese. How morbidly obese was she? At age 55, she passed away of a heart attack. Age 55. Wow. And, well, Frank, you probably should have been more sensitive and taken notes and things like that. And yeah. Ultimately, I lost 80 pounds. It's embarrassing, but I lost 80 pounds. And I've kept it off. I show people a picture of me in Hawaii. And my wife made a note. She said, uh, Frank, look nine months pregnant. And I stood up at attention and I said, I got to do something about that. And right away I did and started losing that weight. Yeah. But I think for me, it might've been too late with the diabetes. Yeah. And that could be, you know, not, not so, everything is reversible, but it, it, depending on timing, of course, most things, mm -hmm. if you catch it in time, yes, it's reversible. But the other thing is that though it may not be reversible, you can certainly go a long ways in the manageable factor. Right. Reducing risk, managing yep. risk, and you uh, know, managing your health. I respect you greatly because you've had the history in your family, but that is not. For you, that is not an excuse. Oh, well, I'm doomed to have it. No, you see that as a signal flare that, okay, I may be predisposed. I need to take action to reduce all the other factors. You cannot affect your genetics. We don't pick no. our parents. There's nothing we can do about that. It, you know, it's, it's yeah. too late for us. Right. 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 So don't sweat that. You can't change it. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Worry about yeah. what you can change. Exactly. That's what I want people to, to take away from this is that's the best message we can give them. Yeah. You, you can can't take control the things you can't change. So work on the one right. that you can. Yeah. And you start by being aware of it. We all pretty much stand in front of a mirror at some point in time. We may not have a scale, but we need to pay attention and look at the, at the warning signs, like, like we talked about the check engine light. When that gut hangs over the belt, and you can't see vital organs, that's a sign right there. You know, I think it's really important to make a note and go, let's, let's make a decision today. Let's take a look at that and let's see what we can do. Let's get serious about it. Yep, absolutely. So think back, you know, we, we started off talking about our, our childhood days and really those were 
that was kind of a conversation that was semi unrelated to this, but semi related. And I want you to think back for a minute to, you know, grade school or even middle school or junior high, as we called it back, back then, back in the old days. <laughs> um, <laughs> how many students do you remember in your class that were obese or overweight? One. Yeah, one, maybe two out of a class. Maybe of, two. A class of 30. Easily. That's not, that's not 40%. No. That's, that's not 20%. Might not have even been might not even been 10 or five, you know? Yeah. Um, hard to believe. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Well, today, if you can get kids into a classroom, you know, you'd see probably 40 or 50% overweight. You probably would. Or at least Half at the 20, population. you know? Oh, well, yeah. And we're 18.5 yeah. 18. of children and young adults. Yeah. So 20, 20%. Probably right around 20. 20% is a lot. It is. 20% is a lot. One of the things that comes to my mind is that our society, I think they call kids that go out and play free range, free range children. Before that, they were latchkey children. Mm -hmm. And society frowns upon free range children parents have a challenge where they just can't let their kids roam the, uh, the neighborhood free. It's not safe to roam the neighborhoods free. And I think there's even some challenges. If you take them to a neighborhood playground, you're right on top of them, you know? Oh yeah. You gotta be. You gotta be. And I know there are different parts of the country or even different parts of the world where it's not as tragic kids are healthy so we're talking about the united states what if we talked about another european country a scandinavian country marty uh we had the takeaway they can't do things about it i'd like to remind them about the shopping eating eating a keto diet eating a mediterranean diet shopping mm -hmm. around the edge of the store I run into yep. people all the time and, and we're shopping and we talk about weight loss or weight gain. And it's, you can't, you can't stand there and talk to people and, and have this conversation with them. I give them two points that they can go home and study on their own. The keto diet. And I tell them, make sure it's a clean one and the Mediterranean diet. Mm -hmm. That's a great place to start. Absolutely. And I, I think another one to add into that also is the paleo. Paleo. Or, right? or some form of paleo. So there, yeah. there's a lot of varieties there. And because I don't, the paleo, well, I, I think all of these diets shy away from the carbohydrates. They do. They do. And that's the carbs and the sugars are the big... I mean, honestly, carbohydrate is another name for sugar. Let, let's be honest here. Yeah. 
both of those are things that really drive that blood sugar level. Uh, and then the whole insulin roller coaster that is just not a good place to be. You know, roller coasters are fun when you can sit in it and ride them. But when they're happening with your vital organs in your body, they're not, not good. good for you. And we're not talking so, about one, a once in a, you know, once a year annual trip to, you know, a Disneyland thrill ride or something. We're talking about something right. that happens every day. And for a lot of people, it's all the waking hours of the day. That Multiple times a day. Constant up and down, up and down, up and down. And I think it's important to, again, remind people that there's the simple carbohydrates and there are complex carbohydrates. The simple carbohydrates like sugar and flour, those are the ones that will hurt you. Complex carbohydrates, green leafy vegetables, broccoli, you name them, all of those vegetables are good for you they have sugar but they have a low glycemic uh, index so they don't get turned into sugar right away your body doesn't store them as sugar or fat and so there's where you know that green gives your cells a, i have to say the word correctly mitochondria atp mm -hmm. you know so that you feed your body your body doesn't starve and turn that sugar into fat for survival. Well, the, the number of carbohydrates in vegetables is considerably lower also. Yeah. What is it, like 10, 15? Well, it just depends on, on what the, the fruit or vegetable is. Yeah, depends on how much and what it is. Marty, Frank? I, I think we've uh, reached that satiation what is that word yeah that works <laughs> satiation or saturation or saturation yeah. or we, we've reached the pies rolling back <laughs> speaking of joe uh, my son and his four or five friends had a podcast called the tiny shutter and they went eight years and last week they had their last podcast Eight years, once a week. Nice. That's incredible. Unless you have something we need to add. No, I think for this episode, we've reached that point of saturation. And we need to not torture our broadcast guests. That would be right. unfortunate. So the big thing, big takeaway is obesity and overweight are major contributors to major illnesses consider it not a not a shameful thing but consider it to be like the engine checklight that other things could be happening that really need attention and you need to take action to clear that checklight and just resetting it won't do it I mean, that's going to, it's going to come back on, you know, 50 miles more and boom, there it is again. So you need to take action. And if you don't know where to begin, reach out to us. We'll be happy to help. This is what I do every day. So I work with clients and help them to overcome these kind of issues. And we want to share this information to help people 
live life to the fullest, to get the most out of this journey that we are on, not to struggle through it, but to enjoy it. Thank you, Frank. Wonderful. Nice chatting with you. Reminiscing about the old days. Hopefully listeners, you uh, were able to find some little nugget in there to take away. And like I said, you know, if there's anything that we can help with, that's what we're here for. That's the goal. That's the objective. So until next time, we will see you later. Thanks for joining us on the Fully Fit Life broadcast. Good night, Frank. Good night, Marty. Ha, <laughs>